Getting more details about the shooting tragedy in Highland Park, the suburb just north of Chicago. That Independence Day parade being rocked by a lunatic with a firearm, shooting dozens, seven of them fatally, and uh, using a, a disguise to get away. Uh, the, the suspect, Robert Cremo III, uh, had a valid void card, was able to legally purchase the weapons he used, uh, and ultimately was charged yesterday in court with uh, seven charges of first-degree murder. Uh, and that's just the beginning. Uh, and we've got a lot of uh, different ins and outs we're going to get to here with Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk at 712. You can chime in live and local, 217-629-7970. You can also email bishoponair at gmail.com or find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, just search out Bishop on Air and we connect that way. Uh, so yesterday, uh, prosecutors and uh, investigators in Highland Park gave what they said is their final news conference. They'll be putting out news releases uh, and they may announce a news conference if there's any other developments. But uh, yesterday after leaving court, uh, they did provide that uh, that final update. Uh, so I want to get to that coming up here, of course, uh, and get your phone calls at 217-629-7970 in reaction to some of this. So we'll go ahead and uh, uh, get to them, some of those calls coming up, uh, so stay tuned. But let's hear from the the prosecutor and the investigator. You're going to hear from the Lake County uh, State's Attorney uh, Eric Reinhardt, and also uh, the uh, task force spokesperson, the crime task force spokesperson Chris Cavelli, uh, yesterday in front of members of the media, addressing some of the latest in the investigation of what happened uh, in Highland Park. So here are some of their comments uh, yesterday uh, in front of uh, news media. For each individual was hurt, people can anticipate an attempt murder charge as well as an aggravated battery with a firearm charge. All of those are class X felonies, uh, which have obviously serious uh, prison time associated with them. But other people were attempted to be murdered, people who were not shot. So there are many different charges that we are reviewing with respect to the other individuals uh, who have sadly been injured by this, frankly, who were present on the scene, they were shot at. That may also constitute an attempt murder charge. Every time he fires a bullet at an individual, he is committing aggravated discharge of a weapon, whether he hits someone or not. There will be many, many more charges coming uh, in the coming weeks. Certainly our investigation is, is gone very much into what happened after the shooting, what Cremo's plan was. Uh, investigators did develop some information that it appears when he drove to Madison, he was driving around. However, he did see a celebration that was occurring in Madison, uh, and he seriously contemplated using the firearm he had in his vehicle to commit another shooting um, in Madison. Well, his statement was voluntary. Uh, he was uh, questioned in the Highland Park Police Department. Uh, he was uh, read his Miranda warnings, offered attorneys, etc. Uh, he went into details about what he had done. Uh, he admitted to what he had done. His motivation isn't uh, necessarily clear. I don't want to go specifically into what he told investigators. However, he uh, had some type of affinity towards the number four and seven and inverse was seven four. It, it apparently comes from uh, music that he's interested in. So again, that is just some of the uh, um, latest developments in the investigation of the Highland Park suspects, uh, Robert Cremo III. Uh, but there's also questions 
about the firearms that, uh, that the suspect was able to get, especially considering that it was revealed the day before yesterday uh, that uh, police had visited Cremo's home twice, once after a report of a possible suicide attempt, and the second one after it was reported that Cremo told family members he was going to kill them all, and they confiscated, what, like 17 different knives uh, and a sword, I think, was in that mix as well. Uh, and they did file to Illinois State Police a uh, clear and present danger report. Uh, so we'll hear more about that. But what about the guns uh, that uh, Cremo ultimately had access to? Uh, when did he buy those and what kinds of firearms were they? Yeah, so in 2020, he bought four weapons. Uh, the weapon used in the July 4th attack, a Celtic Sub-200, a Remington 700, a shotgun, in 2021, he purchased a Glock 43X, and that was after his 21st birthday. So it would, great question. The question was, how do the 19 knives, when you confiscate 19 knives, how does that affect some of the some of the procedures that we've been talking about? Many of these questions will have to be answered by the Illinois State Police, only because that internal FOID process is set by administrative regulations uh, and is set by internal ISP procedures in terms of getting what's called the FOID card in Illinois. That's the fire owner ID card. Um, and so, it, again, it's on a case-by-case -case basis with respect to what they knew. But in that case, the, there had no, there had not been any firearms confiscated, or, or I, that, that's what I know right now. But the Illinois State Police are going to have to answer those questions regarding their internal process. So again, that's uh, Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhardt and the investigator, um, the spokesperson for the uh, Major Crimes Task Force in Lake County, uh, Chris Cavelli, uh, addressing some of the latest ins and outs of uh, the investigation. So they say Cremo admitted to it. Uh, Cremo made uh, a, a detour after the shooting in Highland Park to go to Madison, Wisconsin, but did not conduct another attack there uh, and ultimately was arrested uh, and now is apparently uh, talking about his motivations, but uh, investigators not sharing too much about the motivations there. Uh, but the question here also concerns his access to firearms, uh, and in particular, how he was able to get a FOID card despite having multiple visits by law enforcement, and one in particular where law enforcement locally did report to Illinois State Police, who managed the FOID card process, uh, and uh, he was still able to get a FOID card despite a report of clear and present danger. Uh, we'll hear more from Illinois State Police coming up, but uh, the question of liability, because Cremo was a minor when he at least uh, under 21 when he got a FOID card, uh, and his father, despite the visits by police for mental health issues, uh, signed off as a, uh, a sponsor for uh, Cremo's FOID card. And there's uh, a line in there that says the sponsor of the, uh, the FOID card recipient will be held liable for the use of that firearm. And uh, the question now is, uh, is that uh, is that father going to be held liable for uh, for being the sponsor of Cremo? Uh, here's some of the response from Cavelli and Reinhardt. A family member who has signed off on a void application for someone who's under 21. Is there precedent for that? That is not something that uh, I have done in my administration. It is something I could, we can get back to you on that question in terms of whether that's been done in the past. Uh, I know there's another state in Michigan, totally different set of facts. Uh, we can get back to you on that, but that's not something that I have personally that I have personally done while I've been. So that question right now. Sponsors 
answering this license, even after those initial contacts with law enforcement, are you looking at any potential criminal charges with other family members, the parents perhaps? I don't want to comment on that. I don't want to answer that question right now in terms of uh, what our work continues to be to look at all of the information and evidence in this case. Is there a Chief, is the father cooperating with the investigation? I don't want to go into levels of cooperation. Uh, we're, we're talking to everybody, though, and, and working on getting the most cooperation we can out of everybody. So coming back, we'll hear from Illinois State Police and what they have to say about the clear and present danger report, but also how uh, the the issue of liability could be addressed on the side of the father. So stay tuned. We'll get to that coming up here with Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. Continuing on with our uh, review of the latest in the Highland Park shooting and the questions really about who's going to be held liable for the shooter getting access to firearms after having been checked by police uh, for mental health issues and even being reported to Illinois State Police uh, about uh, the the questions of uh, whether he's a clear and present danger. Despite that report in 2019, in December, the suspect applied for a FOID card with the father as the sponsor because the individual was under the age of 21. And uh, Illinois State Police having to answer some questions about that. And in particular, here is uh, the director of ISP, Brendan Kelly, uh, being asked a question I was able to get through a chat uh, during a news conference yesterday. Uh, The moderator asking that question on my behalf. Uh, Here's what uh, uh, Brendan Kelly had to say uh, yesterday during that uh, late afternoon news conference. It was clear there was no probable cause. And that is the lowest burden of proof that you can have. It was clear that there was no clear and present danger, insufficient evidence for that, which is the burden of proof being basically a preponderance of the evidence. The higher burden that would have to be established in a court is a fire for a firearms restraining order. If it couldn't meet the lowest, I think it's it, it's you know fair to assess that it probably would not have met the highest. And uh, law enforcement have to make those decisions every day about what they bring to the state's attorney, what they bring to a court. Uh, you know, when when they do arrest somebody, when do they move forward with an investigation, what kind of actions that they take? And so they look at the information that they have and make a determination if there's any basis to, to move forward. Can you um, is there a liability? The guardian of the minor FOID applicant has in this case, considering the guns purchased were uh, when, when the suspect was 20. So it looks, sounds like any liability of the guardian. So. Um, there's probably going to be uh, civil litigation. Uh, there's probably going to be, and not probably, there, there is uh, ongoing criminal uh, prosecution and criminal investigation. Uh, issues of culpability, liability, uh, who, may, who may have uh, responsibility in certain circumstances are all part and parcel of that process. So making a conclusory statement and, and, and the state, Illinois State Police uh, weighing in on that is not appropriate for us to do. That process has to weigh out in the court process. That that determination and the answer to that question is something that will have to uh, uh, be decided in a court. I believe. And what are the potential penalties if that information is not correct? So, so again, um, that's that, that'll be something that'll be uh, spoken to, I'm sure, by the state's attorney or by federal prosecutors if they have a federal nexus in terms of what the potential uh, criminal consequences f- could be for uh, providing that that type of form um, in the circumstances that we're in in this situation. So that'll be up to them. I I, I can't speak to um, what was going through the mind of of this particular person. 
uh, when they made that decision, when they decided to uh, sponsor this person. Um, I can only uh, speak from a perspective uh, uh, as a citizen and, and as a father that uh, we all have a duty, we all have an obligation, we all have to be mindful of, 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 of the safety of others. And, and sometimes that requires some difficult things as a parent. Now, again, uh, it'll be up to the courts and it'll be up to uh, this process to decide um, what was appropriate and what was not uh, in this circumstance. And, and I can't speak to that at this moment. So, again, that was uh, Illinois State Police Director Brendan Kelly uh, responding to reporters' questions, including my question about uh, is there any liability for the father in this? And he ultimately said that uh, investigations are going to continue, so we shall see what ultimately happens there. Uh, It is Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WIP.